Praise God. First uh, Samuel chapter 17, if you have your Bibles, we are going to read that together. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 1 through 11. I want to encourage you this morning, uh, we're going to look at God's word and uh, we're going to pray that God uh, speaks to our hearts and ministers to us and reminds us that he is our champion, that Jesus is still the answer. Can you say amen? Whether this is the first time uh, in this, the, the first time you hearing about the good news of Jesus Christ, or for those of us that have been here for many, many years and we've heard it before, Jesus is still the answer to your life, to my life. Can you say amen? He's still everything that we need. Praise God. Jesus is still the answer. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Here we have the account of David and Goliath, and we have the account, and, and we'll read. The people of God and their enemies, the Philistines, who were at a stalemate, and they met in this valley, and they were, they were there, uh, and, and Goliath, who was their champion, the, the Philistine champion, was taunting the people of Israel. And we're going to see here what happens in verse 1, 1 Samuel 17. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle, encamped between Sacco and Judah, and Azekah at Ephes Damim. Saul countered, this is King Saul, king of Israel, Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah, in verse 3. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills. So get the picture here in your mind. Get the visual of what's taking place. We have the children of Israel here on one side of the valley, and we have the Philistines on the other side. They faced each other with the valley between them. Verse 4, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder, the shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying his shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. He shouted, the Bible says, a taunt across to the Israelites. And mental note that because we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Here's what he says. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. Verse 9, if he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Bow your heads with me, if you would, as we pray. Father, Heavenly Father, we're so grateful, Lord, to be here. Father God, to be in your presence, God, we thank you for being here with us, Lord. We thank you for what you've done for us, my God. We thank you for loving us and for saving us, for dying for us, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that everything that transpires today, that you would have your way, God, that you would minister to every heart, Father, that we would be encouraged, Father God, that no trial no spiritual onslaught, no test 
Father, nothing in this world is greater than you, Father, and we thank you for that truth, my God. You are our champion, Lord, and we just pray that you would have your way tonight. I lift up your people here in this sanctuary. I lift up those that are watching online, Father, that you would be, that your presence would be with us, my God, and that you would speak to us. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. We all say amen. amen. I want to speak a message this morning entitled, The Champion in Our Midst. Praise God. Now, we understand and we see the account here, what's taking place here in 1 Samuel, how the people of God who had the right to this land, who God promised this land, this was their promised land, this was their land, and they were there, and then the Philistines were a hindrance, a hindrance to them, and they, they camped in their land. The enemies of God, the Philistines, and to get context here, if we read in the chapter before in 1 Samuel verse 16, we understand that King Saul, he fell out of favor with the Lord. And as we look first at this story, we're going to talk about the enemy's foothold and how he was able to get into Israel's promised land, their rightful place that God promised to them. The enemy was able to get in and to set up camp. And why? I believe because Saul fell, fell out of favor with the Lord. He began doing things his way. And God's word, how many know, is always relevant. So what we're learning today applies to, to your life. It applies to my life. It applies to our situations today. You may be in this place and you're going through a trial. You're going through a spiritual onslaught. You're, you're experiencing and you're walking through things in, in, in your life in this season And you're struggling. You're wondering, how did I get here? How is this happening right now? You're taking inventory and you're wondering, what's going on in my life? Why is this taking place? This should be a motivation for you and I, before we get any deeper, to walk in the favor of the Lord. Right here, God's word. Know his word, read his word, live his word, obey his word, trust his word. The Word of God is, is what we need. The Word of God is what we need to live in the favor of the Lord. If we ever question what direction we're taking, where we're going to go, what decision we make, it has to line up with the Word of God. I want the favor of God in my life. Do you want the favor of God? The favor of God will open up doors for you before you even ask. The favor of God, God will be able to supply for your needs. He'll, he'll, he'll present blessed opportunities for you. He'll, he'll speak to you. Your relationship with him will, will take new levels, all because the favor of the Lord. And where does it start? It starts right here with the word of God, living the word of God, loving the word of God, and obeying the word of God. Here, King Saul fell out of favor. The first thing we have to understand is that we have to walk in the favor of the Lord so that the enemy would not gain a foothold in our life. There are all things that we face, situations that we encounter in our lives. Tests and seasons are normal. Those things come. But what I'm talking about this morning are the footholds that the, the enemy has tried to take or has taken in our lives and in our minds. Issues that we find that we just can't get rid of, that we can't get over for some reason. I'm okay in this department or in this area, but for some reason, this thing just keeps on finding its way back to me. It's very possible it's a, a foothold. The favor of the Lord 
The Spirit of God will break every stronghold in Jesus' name. We have to walk in God's favor. So the enemy, he's always looking for a foothold in your life and in your heart and in your mind. The Bible says he seeks to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. You know what that tells me? He's looking for opportunities. And with God's wisdom, living by God's word, we strive to live a life that is as far away from evil as we can get. Sometimes we want to play footsies with, with the world, and we want, to, we want to see how close we can get without being affected. But wisdom would tell you to run the other way. Run closer to Christ. Run closer to holiness and purity and righteousness. Don't try to consider how close can I get to the world while, while still being saved. You're robbing yourself. See, we learn this in God's word. Now in 1 Samuel, in our text, 17 verse 1, the Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped. They camped between Saco and Judah. Judah. This was Israel's promised land in Judah. So they camped there. At the side of the Philistines, the people of God should have ran them out. They should have chased them out. They should have had no business even showing their faces there. But the Bible says that they camped. They set up camp. They found a place. They pitched their tents. They were making it their home. And the very enemies of God were, were finding it possible to set up camp in Israel's promised land. And we can relate to that. The enemy, many times, he's seeking for a clean vessel to set up camp. Perhaps it's bitterness. Perhaps it's envy and strife. Perhaps it's, it's mammon. Perhaps it's, it's, it's lustful sin. Perhaps it's all these things that, that we sometimes allow the enemy to set up camp when, when at the first sight of it we should run to Jesus and, and pray for deliverance and cast it off and run the other way. But no, what happens? Sometimes we lose the fight and the enemy is able to set up camp and then we're wondering why are these issues going on in my life? Why this stronghold? Is it perhaps that you didn't send the enemy to flight through Jesus Christ when you had the chance, but maybe you let things linger a little bit? Perhaps you're having an issue with, with bitterness and you just can't find it in your heart to forgive or to be happy for someone else. Why? Perhaps because when the Lord was telling you to forgive, to not let the sun go down upon your anger, you refused and you fostered that unforgiveness you kept that bitterness going. You kept that, that anger going towards that person. And what happens over time? This is just one example. Over time, it causes us to be bitter. And what does bitterness do? Man, it steals our joy. We can't be happy. We can't walk in the full joy of the Lord because we're so angry that someone else is doing okay and we're not. That's just an example. So we can't let the enemy have a stronghold and set up camp in our life. Now, here's a question for you, believer. What things have you allowed to, to set up camp in your life, in your home, in your heart, in your mind? Because in Jesus, there's freedom. The Bible tells us that he who the Son sets free is free indeed, right? That the believer, the Christian, the children of God don't have to live in bondage. 
You don't have to live in a vice or in a habit that is destroying your life. You don't have to. It may be something that you've grown up with. It may be what is what you're used to, but you no longer have to live with that vice. You no longer have to live with that bondage, with that situation. You and I no longer have to live with that. Why? Because the Bible tells us so. What have you settled for? Perhaps you're battle-weary. You got tired. You got fatigued. And you're just thinking, man, I can't take one more fight. And, and we let things creep in closer and closer. Proverbs 4.23, the Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart, believer. Protect your heart. Protect what comes in, what you let in your eyes, what you let in your spirit. Protect the things that you let come in because you are the only one that has control to say yes or no. We should be inhabited by the Holy Spirit, by God's holy word. But perhaps fear and doubt have crept in. Perhaps you got a good report and, and, and perhaps it's medical related. And I understand the way that that can have. And I understand the value of good information, maybe professional information. But I understand the, the power of hearing God's word over my life. That while the world may be saying one thing about my condition or, or the news or, or this book or whatever it may be, may be saying one thing, but we serve an almighty God, church, that, that doesn't make sense to the world. There is healing for you. There is deliverance for you. There is spiritual freedom for you. Perhaps it's despair. Perhaps you're in a place of despair this morning. You feel that you have no hope. But you can look at the word of God. You have to look no further than, word, than the word of God. Psalms 40, verse 2. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. Praise God. He set my feet on solid ground. Isn't that good news this morning? Perhaps it's fear. Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Praise God. Perhaps it's doubt. James 1.6 let him ask without doubting. I'm giving you some scriptures here. What about mental, some mental anguish and fatigue? John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. God has everything that you need. God has everything that you need. Every situation, every trial you may be going through, God has your answer. Jesus is the answer. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, as we look here, we get, we understand that the enemy got a foothold, okay, here in our text. They set up camp, and here comes Goliath. And we look in our text in verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. He taunted them. He took pride in his position and, and who he was, and he taunted them. And this is the very strategy of the enemy, church. When you're trying to get out of that pit or that hole, when you're trying to better your life, the enemy will come and taunt you and say, if it hasn't happened yet, it's never going to happen. He comes and tells you that you're not strong enough. He comes and tells you that there's no hope for you. He comes and tells you that it's generational. 
Your grandparents dealt with it. Your parents dealt with it. You're dealing with it. Your children and your grandchildren are going to deal with it. He tells you it's generational. He taunts you and says that no one can overcome me. There's no hope for you. So stop trying. Just come to church and do your thing. Yes, sit sit in the chair and worship God, but you're always going to be in that same situation. He'll taunt you with those lies. This is strategy of the enemy. And that's the narrative that he always uses. That's his vocabulary. That's the language of the enemy, that there's no hope for you. Why do you even bother trying? This is what Goliath was telling the children of Israel. Why bother? I'm the champion. And this is what the enemy tries to tell you and I. Why bother? You can't live pure. You can't hold down a job. You can't finish school. You can't finish college. No one in your family has ever done it. You can't do this. You can't do that. And he will taunt you day in and day out. Goliath had a daunting stature. He was a Philistine champion. And so many are the issues in our life that we feel are champions over us, that we can't overcome, that we can't win. We've tried. We've tried. We've tried and tried again, but we, we cannot win. And then we read about the account of his, his armor. It seemed that it was impenetrable, that there was no way, that there was any victory that could have come against Goliath. The enemy will taunt you and tell you, why bother fighting? Why not just give up? Why not give in? You don't have what it takes. He'll taunt you and I. He'll taunt, and he'll continue to do that. And in verse 11, what does the Bible say? They were deeply shaken. The righteous nation of Israel, the children of God who who saw God do miraculous works in their life, the God that delivered them out of Egypt, the God that, that parted the Red Sea, the God that protected, protected them with the, the, uh, the pillar of fire, kept them warm with the pillar of fire by night and the, the, the cloud by day. The God of Israel, who was their God, who had never failed. Verse 11, they were deeply shaken. And haven't there been those times in our life where we feel that we're untouchable, that nothing can separate us, you know, from, from where we're at and what God's doing in our life, and we, we have the joy and we have the victory and everything's going right. But here comes a situation. Here comes an enemy. And we're deeply shaken. That may be you this morning. You may be going through something and you're deeply shaken. You're battling fear. You know the truth of God's word. You've read it. You've lived it. But still, you're deeply shaken. What is it? And listen, I, I, I've been there. And we're human. We... we we go through these things. I understand. I mean, I think of a time in my life where my wife and I, it was, it was a true spiritual battle against fear, the spirit of fear. I couldn't even put my finger on there was It wasn't situation related. It was a spiritual battle. I remember it. I remember it. It zapped us of, of our joy. It zapped us of, of, of our strength. Home wasn't even a place that, that, that we wanted to go because we knew that we would have to battle it there and then we get up in the morning and you're fatigued because you're not able to sleep. And again, it wasn't situational, I'll tell you. It was spiritual. And here I was in church. I was serving God. We were saved. 
in ministry, we, we, were, we were doing what God called us to do, but it was still a spiritual battle from the, from the depths of hell. I felt that spirit creeping around our home, and, and I can't put in any other words, but creeping around our home. One moment we're fine, and then you feel it. And it wasn't just me and my wife and a together. You feel that, and we would sense it. And it just wasn't, and I'm getting emotional about this because it was so real to us. And I'm saying, believer, I know what it is to go through these situations and these trials. Don't think because you come to church that, that you're not going to face spiritual battles and you're not going to face onslaughts. It's the contrary. If you're doing what God has called you to do and you're living according to God's word, the enemy is working overtime to try to, to, try to sideswipe you and take you out of that path. And I thank God. Man, this is why church is so important, my, my, my brother and sister. The body of believers, man. I mean, God is all we need. I understand that. God was all we need. But we had believers that were, would pray, uh, pray with us. And the power of unity, the power of unity broke the back of that spirit. Praise God. I remember like it was yesterday. It was here at church. And yes, even we were battling into here. We walked up to the third floor, and we prayed, and we prayed, and it broke it broke. It was a matter of a few weeks, but it broke. It broke. And why? Because of the power of Jesus Christ. It was only for a season. And in Christ, there is victory. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so excited. There was victory. The people of God were deeply shaken. The fight was taken out of them. Goliath was proud. Get the picture. He was proud. He was arrogant. He, was, he had so much confidence in his armor and in his skill. He would talk down on the people of God. He was insulting them. The very definition of, of Goliath means splendor. Means splendor. So Goliath was the splendor of, 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 of the Philistines. He was a splendor, and he was taunting the people of Israel. Understand in verse 16 of our text, for 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israel. Israelite army. Again, there's another word, strutted. He was bragging. Man, no one likes a bragger. I don't like a bragger. Imagine, imagine. So he was strutting around. He was arrogant. He was taunting. He was just asking to be made an example of by God. Can you say amen? He was asking to be made an example of. For 40 days, he was taunting them. And it's said that 40 days in the Word of God represents a period of testing. We heard about the 40 years the nation of Israel wandered the wilderness. We heard about Jesus' 40 days of fasting. So 40 days, biblically, it's said that represents a period of testing and trial and then finally triumph. Can you say amen? This morning, if you're in a trial or a circumstance, understand that it is but for a season. The test that you're in, it's but for a season. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it out. I want to speak words of hope to you in Jesus' name. It's not the end of your rope. You're not, the end of, you're not at the end of your road. There is a brighter day coming in Jesus' name. God is working and he's moving. It is but for a season. So don't give up. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Because your deliverance is near. Your deliverance is near. It is close. And as we transition in this wonderful story, we can't talk about Goliath without talking about King David. Isaiah 43, 19. Listen to this. For I am about to do something new. This is God's word for you, church. I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. 
Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So here is Goliath. In the presence of any enemy, any battlefield, the true champion is on his way. Can you say amen? The true champion is on his way. And I submit to you that today is the day of your victory, church. Today is the day of your victory. The deliverance that you've been believing God for is for today. I'm not going to claim it for next month. I'm not going to claim it for next year. I'm claiming it for today. Deliverance is here today for you. Your healing is here today. Your healing is here today for you. Receive that in Jesus' name. Now let's look here in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Where there's, there's quite a few uh, scriptures here. So in the, in the respect of time, I'm going to jump a little bit here. But in verse 22, David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. So here's David. King David, he hears the news, and he hurries out to the ranks. He hurries out to the battlefield. Thank you, Jesus. Jump to verse 26. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? King David said, are you kidding me? Who is this guy that he's allowed to even be talking like this against the nation of Israel? Who is he? Who does he think he is? Verse 32 Listen to what David told Saul. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told, told Saul. I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him. And I want to take a, a pause here in just a moment. The true champion is in our midst. And understand, we can learn a lot of things from this story. But I submit to you this morning that David in the Bible is a type of Christ. So he's not representing you and I and, and the victory that we could have. And we can have victory in our situations. But when Jesus comes on the scene, true victory is possible. When Jesus lives in your heart, true victory is possible. You may have been at a stalemate for many years against that enemy that you've been fighting. But when Jesus comes on the scene, when the Holy Spirit comes on the scene, your deliverance is nigh. Your deliverance is possible. When Jesus is in our midst, our true champion, he will say, who is this spirit that he would try to defy me? No one can stand against me, he says. I'll go and fight for him. The Bible says that the battle is not yours, but it's his. Can you say amen? Verse 46, here we go. Today the Lord will conquer you. This was David, again, a type of Christ. He was, he was proclaiming this against the enemy. Today the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you. I will cut off your head, and then I will give the dead body of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Can you say amen? Verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. The battle is the Lord's. God is all over it. God is in your situation. If he's not there, invite him in. Invite him into that circumstance. Invite him into that trial. Whatever that test is that you're going through, invite him in. Ask him to be sovereign over that situation because the battle is his. It's not yours. It's not yours. Victory is found through Christ. It's not in your strength or in my strength. It's in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Today, he said, the Lord will conquer you. He said, I'm not letting one more day pass that you're going to taunt my children. I'm not going to let one more day pass that you're going you're to destroy what they have and you're going to lie to them. Today, the Lord will conquer you. 
God moves in today. God moves in today. In the time frame of today, God moves there all throughout the Gospels. We see how he healed people. The paralyzed, right? The blind. Those that he raised from the dead. John chapter one, uh, chapter 9, verse 1, as Jesus was, just one example, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. And then there's some scriptures there, and as we jump to verse 7, he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and he came back seeing he was blind. Jesus said, go. Go. Today, do it now. The demon-possessed man. The man of the Gadareans, remember that story, right? He came to meet Jesus. Jesus wasn't afraid. He didn't run the other way. He didn't say, hey, there's another shore, so why don't we just back up, and why don't we just go over here? No, he met that face-to-face. He is our true victor. He is our warrior. He is our champion. He brought deliverance to that man, and it was right at that moment. What about the Roman officer? He had a child that was sick. He believed in Jesus. Jesus said, just because you believe... Go home and you'll find that your child is healed. Why? Because you believed it's today. You're going to have a chance to make an altar call today. And whatever you've been dealing with or fighting, you're going to have a chance to lay it here at the altar. The altar is a place where you just, just lay it out. Give it to him and don't take it back. Your deliverance is nigh. Your deliverance is here today. In faith, receive that and don't take that thing back. 1 Samuel 17, verse 49, as we wind this down, reaching into a shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with the sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistines with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Do we get the picture here? That Jesus is not just about temporary deliverance. He's not just about fixing it for today so that next week you can go through the same situation. So that next week you could be bound once again. He's a once and for all God. And he desires to cut off the head of this thing that you're dealing with. See, if David just walked away, who knows if perhaps Goliath was just unconscious and he could have got up and roused his army again and and, and they would have dealt with him again. But God is not like that. When you were set free, what does the Bible say? He whom the son sets free is what? Free indeed. That means there's a period there. You're free. You're free. You're delivered. Perhaps it's drug addiction that you've been praying for deliverance for. You're going to be set free, and you'll be free indeed. Perhaps it's alcoholism. You'll be set free and free indeed. Perhaps it's lustful sin. You'll be set free and free indeed. This is God's character. He's not in it just to go halfway for you. He wants to destroy that thing. He wants to destroy it ultimately for you on your behalf. Thank you, Jesus. And then what? You're free to worship. You're free to dwell in the presence of God and enjoy his presence of purity. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you and I don't have issues that we deal with, but we're able to come into the presence of God and worship him in spirit and in truth. 
We're able to feel his love. We're able to hear his voice. We're able to see him provide in our lives. We're able to see his favor. It's a beautiful thing. If you haven't accepted Jesus, oh, I encourage you. Let him in your heart. He wants to do so much for you. You win. With Jesus, you always win. With Jesus, you and I are always victorious. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to be in bondage anymore. The power of the enemy has been broken. It was broken on the cross of Calvary. That's why Jesus says it is finished. But sometimes as believers and we go through different things, we, we, we forget that. that. He said over 2,000 years ago, it is finished. That brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, my son, my daughter, you're going through that thing. I died and it is finished. I died for you and it is finished. That thing is broken. You don't have to fear anymore. You don't have to live with that vice anymore that you have a few good months and then you fall flat on your face and there you go again. And then you have a few good months and then you fall flat on your face. You don't have to live with that vice anymore in Jesus' name. When our champion is in our midst, then victory is possible. When our champion is in our midst, then victory is promised. Can you say amen? Thank you, Jesus. There's victory for you. Praise God as our worship team. If they could please make their way up. I want to give you two last scriptures. And it said, you know, no one likes a bragger, right? So I was talking and mentioning that this morning. But if I'm going to brag about anybody, it's not going to be about myself or who I am or what I can do because my failures are many. But if I'm going to brag, it's going to be about Jesus. Amen. He's perfect. If you're going to brag about anyone, brag about Jesus because of who he is. John 10, 27 through 30. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, Jesus said. For my Father, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Thank you, Jesus. That's what God says about you. That you are his, and no one is going to snatch you from his hand. No one. In our last scripture in 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and the only almighty God. The King of all kings and Lord of all lords. He alone can never die. And he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. This is your God. Your God, your Savior, your champion, Jesus, is not dwarfed by anything. He's not overcome by anything. He doesn't know how to lose. He doesn't know how to lose. He's victorious. You and I, as, as people, we're not. As I said, my failures are many. Our failures are many. We trip. We say things we shouldn't. We mess up. We do things that we shouldn't. But by God's grace, here we are. And by God's grace and power, you and I can be victorious. So what is it this morning that you've been carrying? And you think that it's, it's your burden to carry and that it's your load to carry. And you think that it's your fight 
to wage. But the Bible tells us that the battle is the Lord's. And you know how you know that it's not your fight? Is because it, it causes you weariness and fatigue and despair. You wake up tired because you've been wrestling with that all through the night. You wake up battle weary. That's how you know that it's not your battle. Because Jesus says, take my yoke upon you for, I, for, I, for it is light. I am lowly of heart. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. See, in Christ, there's liberty. And, I, and I'm, I'm not saying that we walk through this world and there's no responsibility that we have. And, and as men and women and feeling the, the weight of responsibility and, and whatever that comes, I understand that. But as we're doing it according to God's word, he gives us the strength. And the Bible says that we will run and not be weary, right? We will, we will walk and not faint. We'll be able to go on and on because we're doing it according to God's word. But when we step out of that, we start to take on these things that God doesn't want us to take on. We're, we're battle fatigued and we just want to give it all up. See, there are things God, God's called us to carry, but there are many things that we're carrying that he's not called you or asked you to carry. He says, that's mine. Give it to me. The weight of that relationship, the weight of your, your worry for, for this person or that person, and, and it's causing you sleepless nights. He's saying, that's my, that's my battle. I know you love them. I know you're concerned about them, but give it to me. And in faith, as we do that, and as we right here at the altar, we give it up to Jesus, we're able to enjoy what God's blessed us with. You're able to enjoy what you have. You're able to enjoy your day, what he's provided for in your life. See, when we're fighting battles that aren't ours, we're not able to enjoy what he's given us because we're worried about this and we're worried about that. But God says, give it to me. The battle's mine. This morning, from the beginning of our service, from prayer time to from our worship, the one true champion is in our midst this morning. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, what does the Bible say? There's liberty. There's freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And the power of deliverance, the power to break those situations, those vices, those habits, whatever it may be, it's right here. The presence of God. Not by your strength, not by my strength, but by the Spirit of God. It's here for you. So, church, praise God. If you received that this morning, let's give God praise. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for what you've promised us, God. We thank you for victory, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads this morning as we pray.